0: Right, this morning, all good? Come on, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your awesome presence with us this morning. We just pray that God would we'll just be attentive to your word. Lord, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet, it's a light to our path. And we just ask you, Lord, to just breathe on your word this morning and help us to be doers of your word as well as hearers. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Anyone tell me what the theme has been this month for, New Zealand, for uh, this campus? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. So you'd think that when we come to the end of the month, there'd be nothing much less uh, left to say about it. But there is a whole lot to say about prayer and fasting. So what I thought I'd do today is I want to preach on the um, two most important prayers you will ever pray. Okay. I thought I'd go right back to the very beginning and talk about a few basics, a few really foundational things with respect to prayer. And over the years, I've discovered quite a few things about prayer and about life as a pastor. And one of the first things I've discovered is that we are wired to pray. Okay, God designed us. To pray, There is an internal desire in people to pray because we've all been made by God in His image. And that means we have a desire within us to connect with God. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian. Everybody has eternity in their hearts. And everybody, deep down, has a desire to connect with God. And that means also that we have the ability to talk to God. He's put that within us it's part of our nature but we're not very good at prayer. Hands up all those people who are absolutely fantastic at prayer. you would have a PhD in prayer. Anyone here? No no I didn't think so. I didn't think so. Most people that I've talked to feel really inadequate about prayer. Uh, people feel frustrated. They feel inept, they feel awkward, they feel unsatisfied. They don't understand prayer, but they want it to be better. Isn't that true? Yeah. The fact is, I've never met anybody who thought that they were outstanding at prayer. Everybody knows that they can do better in this particular area. In fact, even the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote half of the New Testament, said, We don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray. Even the disciples. The 12 guys that Jesus hand-picked to follow Him for entire ministry, they didn't know how to pray. Uh, They got to watch Jesus do everything. Uh, Everything that He did on earth, they watched. But never once did the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to do miracles. Never once did they say, Lord, teach us how to preach. But they did say, Lord, teach us to pray. Because watching the master, they knew that the key to the power behind his miracles and his teaching and his preaching was prayer. The third thing that I've noticed over the years is that our frustrations with prayer are often caused by our misconceptions about prayer. So there's a couple of things that I just want you to know this morning. First of all, prayer is not a magic wand. Okay? It's not a genie in the bottle where you have this a little magical bottle called prayer and you rub it and all of a sudden God comes out and He says, Your wish is my command. God's not your genie. God's not your servant. We are God's servant. It's the other way around. Prayer is not some secret words, some secret incantation, some chant or spell that if you know the right words, abracadabra, everything opens up for you, or the special words that you get your own way all the time. No, it's it's not like that. At all. Prayer is not a magic wand. And also, prayer is not a fire extinguisher. Okay, out out in the foyer there, over there, there's a little box. See on the wall over there, a little red box, and it it says, break glass in case of emergency. Okay? A lot of people treat prayer like that. The only time they pray is when they're in pain or when there's an emergency. In fact, the terminology is often all we can do now is pray. And people will say, oh, has it come to that? Is it that bad that all we can do now is pray? As if prayer is the last resort when you've tried everything else. You know, If everything else fails, try prayer. No. Prayer is not supposed to be like that. Prayer is not meant to be the last resort in your life. It's meant to be your first choice. Before you buy that car, pray. Before you go looking for that job, pray. Before you accept that date, pray. (laughs) And all the mums said, Amen. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You should make it your first choice. not your last resort in every area of your life. Prayer is not a fire extinguisher. And also, it's not a tug of war. Okay, prayer is not a tug of war with God. A lot of people think that God doesn't really want to answer your prayers. He doesn't want to listen. And that you have to wear God down until He finally gives in. You know, you keep badgering Him and you keep pastoring Him and you keep praying and saying, God, God, please, and finally He goes, oh, okay, all right, I give in, you can have it like a tug-of-war with God. No, it's not like that at all. That's not what the Bible teaches. In fact, Jesus tells a story about an unjust judge in Luke 18 to show us that God is not like that at all. God wants to answer your prayers. So, what's the most important group of prayers that you could pray? What's the most important one? Well, firstly, It's those prayers that build your relationship with God. They're the most important ones. God created you to know Him. To spend time with Him. To talk with Him. And we can talk to God about anything. Because God loves you. And loves to talk to you. And He loves us to talk to Him. He's our Heavenly Father, and fathers are interested in what's going on in their kid's life. It's like uh, when Penny and I had just been married a few months, um, we both had good jobs, and and we did what most young couples uh, were doing, we were looking to see if we could possibly buy our own house. And so I went through all the figures and everything else, and we saw a house that we liked. And back in those days, it was like $30,000. Yeah, that's when you can buy a brand new car for $2,000. So, uh, we saw this house and um, did all the sums and, and I said to Penny, Hey look, if, if, we can, if we can put off having kids for eight years, we can, um, we can afford this house. So, that was the scheme. Anyway, I used to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning, each morning, and I'd spend an hour reading the Word and and praying. And I just was giving this to the Lord. And suddenly, one morning, it's like he turned my eyes, the lights on, he spoke to me, and I came rushing out of our bedroom to Penny. I said, hey, look at this. And I wrote down a whole lot of bits and pieces of paper, things that God was telling me about. And basically, he showed me that if we could put off buying a house for three years and save in the government saving schemes, as it was back then, then we could have kids straight away and we could afford a house that was twice as much as the one that we were looking to buy. So that's what we did. We followed the plan that God had given us Instead of buying a $30,000 house, we ended up buying a $55,000 house. Uh, we had kids straight away, which our kids are thankful for. Uh, and, um, and actually, because of that blessing and because of that start, when I finally left the dairy company, I sold the house for three times what we had paid for it, and I was debt free. Absolutely debt free. And so God was interested in the nitty-gritty little things in my life that I was interested in at the time. So I could bring those things to Him in prayer. Uh, Psalm 103 verse 13 says, The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who reverence Him. 1 John 5 14 says, We can be confident approaching God knowing that He listens to us whenever we ask Him for anything according to His will. And since we know that He hears us when we make our requests, then we can be sure that He will answer us. God always hears us no matter how we say it, when we say it, how loud we say it, or if you just think it in your head. Because you're His kid. God listens to you. He hears you. And because of that, it says that we can have confidence approaching Him. You see... Prayer is a conversation. It's not a ceremony with rules and regulations. It's about relationship. Not ritual. It's not a speech. It's not a poem. It's not an essay. It's talking and listening to God. It's about a conversation. It's about getting close to Him. It means we both talk and listen. Often, during a prayer time, I'd say, God, is there anything that you want to say to me right now? And then I'd just be quiet. And i just listen to hear what God wants to say. And he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his still, small voice. So be open in your prayer times to listening to God as well as just talking. And you don't have to use flowery language. God doesn't speak in the King James Version of the Bible. Alright? You don't have to use fancy phrases. You don't have to sound spiritual. You can just talk. And longer is not stronger in prayer the very first real prayer I prayed when I was at university was, God, if you're real, show yourself to me. And he answered. Straight away. When the disciple Peter was drowning, he didn't say, dear Heavenly Father, I find myself in quite a predicament at the moment. If you don't come through in the next half a second, I'm going to be dead. Thou art worthy. Please touch your humble servant. No, he didn't go like that, did he? What did he say? Lord, save me. That's all he said. And that was good enough. Jesus stretched out his hands, picked them up. You don't have to convince God. He already knows what you need. Just come to Him as simply and honestly and humbly as you can and talk. Because God is a good, good Father. Now, have you ever met a parent in this whole world who gives their kids everything that they want? Emma, do you spoil your kids? Try Try not to, yeah. No, I, don't know any, I don't know any parent who gives their kids everything. And God doesn't give out his kids everything. It doesn't mean he doesn't love us. He only gives us those things that are going to be good in our life. And Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me, and I'll answer you. I'll show you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. And that's been my testimony. Uh, working in industry, when I come across a problem, I could pray and I could expect God to help me solve that problem. Because I figured that He was wiser than me and He knew exactly what was causing that problem, and so He could give me the answer. And time and time and time again, He just gave me wisdom in situations and circumstances. To be able to sort out problems that were multi-million dollar problems. And, and just work things out. Um, Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, If you, being imperfect and sinful parents, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him?
1: How much more
0: will your Heavenly Father? So He, he wants to bless you. He wants to give you good gifts. But... He says in Hosea 6, I don't want your sacrifices. I want your love. I don't want your offerings. I want you to know me. What a great scripture. That's God. That's our Heavenly Father. He wants us to know Him. So the greatest prayer you can ever pray is that prayer that draws you closer to to God. James 4.8 says, draw close to God and God will draw close to you. The one thing i found is that the closer I am to God, the less stressed and more blessed I'll be. So if you've got a whole lot of stress in your life, try getting closer to God because you'll find that it's His peace that will overcome that stressful situation in your life. Second most important prayer that you're ever going to pray. uh, Those prayers that bring about God's kingdom coming and His will being done. This year's conference is Kingdom Come. Uh, Jesus, uh, when He was telling the disciples how to pray, He said, Pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Now, the the kingdom of God is where Jesus is on the throne. It's where his kingdom culture, his kingdom values are being lived out. It's where God's will is being done. That's what the kingdom of God is. And I want Jesus to be on the throne in my life. I want his kingdom values to be my values, I want his culture to be my culture, and I want his will to be done in my life. Amen? Anyone else like that? Yeah, that we, we want that. Well, I want it not just for my life, but I want it for my wife, I want it for my kids, I want it for my church, I want it for my city. Wow, how different former would be if the culture of our city was the kingdom culture how different a Ray would be if Jesus was ruling and reigning there. What about Kaitaia? It would be a bit different, wouldn't it? If the culture of Kaitaia was Jesus' kingdom culture, and if Jesus was ruling and reigning over the city, how different that would be. Well, that's what we're praying for when we say, God, let your kingdom come here in Kaitaia. Let your will be done here in Kaitaia." So we pray it for our city. We pray it for our nation. We pray it for the nations of the world. Now, when we are praying, kingdom of God, come. The kingdom of God is advancing. You will find that there will be a battle because if God's kingdom is increasing, if God's kingdom is advancing, then Satan's influence will be decreasing and he will fight you for that. In a battle, the enemy doesn't really care what kind of cars the opposition soldier are driving. He doesn't care what clothes the opposition soldiers are wearing. It doesn't care how much money the opposition soldiers have got in the bank. He's not interested in those sort of things. But in a battle... If the opposition are starting to take your territory, you're going to fight. And Satan's no different than that. He will fight you for every kingdom come, God's will be done prayer that you pray. He doesn't want you to experience the abundant life that Jesus died to give you. The enemy doesn't want God's plans and God's will for your life to come to pass. In fact, it says that the thief, which is the enemy, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. So those two things are at opposite ends of the spectrum. One comes to kill, destroy, diminish, diminish. Uh, try and stop you from coming into abundant life, whereas Jesus comes to give it to you. And Satan doesn't want souls to be saved. He doesn't want lives to be transformed. He doesn't want cities to be healed. So as soon as you start praying those sorts of prayers, you will know that you are in a battle. Paul, in his letter to the church at Ephesus, said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That hasn't changed people. Our battle isn't against our neighbours. It's not against the hard case guy at work. Our battle is actually in the spiritual And he goes on and says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That's really, really, really good advice. Daniel, when he was looking for a breakthrough in his nation and insight for the future, he began to fast and pray. And the Bible tells us that he fasted and prayed for 21 days before an angel came to him to give him the answer. And it was interesting, the angel said, well, guess she God heard you the very first day you prayed. But I couldn't come to give you the answer because there was a battle going on in the heavenlies. And I had to break through in that heavenly battle before I could get the answer to you. And I want to suggest to you today, there's a lot of battles going on in the heavenlies. There's battles going on for our young people. The enemy hates seeing young people for the Holy Spirit coming into the plans and the purposes of God because he knows that our young people are the hope of the future. He knows that they are the seed and they need to be destroyed. So you'll find that the enemy in Northland particularly has targeted our young people. He doesn't want to see Kytia break through, break out of all the problems that uh, we've got. He doesn't want to see this uh, this city heal. He doesn't want to see light replace his darkness. 2 Corinthians 10.4 says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons that we fight with have divine power. And one of the most powerful weapons that God has given us is prayer and fasting. How many people love fasting? One. And that person's probably a liar too. (laughs) I hate fasting. Well, uh, I like the results of fasting. I hate the process because I love food. How many people here love food? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm into it. I want to talk about it now because um, my stomach's rumbling. I've lost a couple of kilos. If I don't keep my, part, my feet apart, my pants will fall down. So uh, if that happens, just turn and face it back. Okay. All right. When we fast, a number of things happen. Okay. Uh, and we've got to keep in mind, while we're doing something in the, in the natural it has ramifications in the spirit. When we fast, it creates a hunger in our soul for God. Uh, Proverbs 27, verse 7 says, He who is full loathes honey. But to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Quite a number of years ago, when Penny and I were over on holiday in Rarotonga, we were with a group of people who put on a huge, huge honey for us. And, oh, man, it was fantastic. There was a suckling pig there. And there was everything that you can imagine. I can just smell it right now. Just take a a big breath. Take a big breath. And you will be able to smell that pork on roast on there. It was just amazing. And we just absolutely, absolutely pigged out. Get back to the hotel afterwards. And Penny says, oh, no, some ice cream in the fridge. Do you want some ice cream? I love ice cream. But I was full of pig <laughs> there's no way i have any ice cream I was just absolutely full I could not eat anything 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 more and you know what that's like well the reality is we fully fill ourselves with so much stuff that it deadens our thirst for God But the amazing thing is, when you fast, your physical hunger is matched by a renewed hunger in your soul and in your spirit for God. I don't know how it works. I've only got a four-year degree, and I can't figure this out. But it works. It works. And by the way, when you're you're fasting, uh, the first day is the hardest. Okay, first, getting into the second day is the hardest. Once you get through two days, it's a lot easier after that. And there's lots of different ways of fasting. Um, You can fast TV. You can fast uh, games on your iPad. uh, You can fast, you can just put off a whole lot of things. But it's not just about what you put off. It's not just about not eating. Because if it was just about not eating, that's called a diet. All right? It's what you replace the time. So if you're fasting an evening meal, for instance, spend that time praying. That's where the power comes in, where you back up what you're doing in the physical with the spiritual. Okay? Fasting brings clarity to hearing God's voice. When we fast, the physical is suppressed, and after you get over your stomach crying out, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, there is an amazing clarity in the spiritual. I've always found that when I fast, God answers. The course of my life was completely altered by God answering my prayer and fasting, 25 years ago, I had to make some decisions as to the direction I was going to be going. And in my life, I was an assistant pastor at Tanaman A.G., but I felt God was calling me to lead a church of my own, and I had a number of offers. I've been offered Raglan uh, Assembly of God, which is a good old church. I've been offered Rotorua Assembly of God, which had their own building, was, was absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I've been offered a church in um, Chile, in Vina del Mar, uh, which was a really significant church in that, um, in that nation. And so I couldn't, I didn't know what I should be doing, so I said to God, I'll go and I'll pray and fast. And in the first day of praying and fasting, God gave me a dream. And uh, in that dream, he just confirmed that he didn't, want me in any of these other places but he wanted me to go to Fongarae. And I've never been to Fongarae before. I couldn't remember anything about it. I might have passed through Fongaray once. But I said, okay, if that's what you want, I rang up the executive member for the North uh, and he said I told him how I was feeling about this. He said, okay, I'm supposed to be preaching up on Fongaray in April. Uh, why don't you go and take my place? went up and preached there. Uh, Two weeks later, the elders of the church invited me back, and uh, about four weeks after that, Ben and I and family shifted up to Whomerae, and we've been there for 25 years this August. Changed my life. God clearly, clearly, clearly spoke to me during a time of prayer and fasting. In 2 Chronicles 20, we read of Judah, about to be attacked by the combined armies of the Moabites, the Amorites, and the Medianites. So the first thing that King Jehoshaphat does is he calls a fast for the whole of the nation. And as a result of that nation's prayer and fasting, God speaks to them, tells them exactly what to do, And they do what God says they're to do, and the whole of the three enemy armies are absolutely routed. And I want to suggest to you that when you pray and fast, God will give you clarity in hearing His voice. And if you're entering into difficult situations and circumstances, you can hear what God wants you to do in those situations. And when you follow what God wants you to do, you are in in a sure place. And if you follow him, you know he's going to lead you in the right way. God answers prayer and fasting. Also, fasting breaks chains of bondage and sets captives free and brings breakthrough to situations. I've been a Christian since... 1971. And I still have areas in my life that I need a breakthrough in. But every time I pray and fast, I get significant breakthroughs in those areas that I bring before the Lord. And this last couple of weeks has been no different. I've sensed more freedom, I've sensed God being closer. I've broken through some areas afresh and reclaimed some ground which I've lost over the years. And I going to suggest to you, I know there's only a week of prayer and fasting in this lot um, of church-led prayer and fasting. But I want to encourage you to make prayer and fasting part of your normal Christian discipline. Make it part of your normal life, the way you do things. Because you'll find that it will give you significant breakthroughs in areas of your life. Isaiah 58 verse 6 said, Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. Do you need chains broken in your life? Do you need bondage broken, things broken in your life? Do you need freedom in your life? you need breakthrough in situations? Do you know family members who need that? Do you know a church that needs that? Do you know a city that needs that? Well, we all do. So I want to suggest to you, prayer and fasting is one of the most powerful, prayer, powerful weapons that God has given us. In Matthew 17. The New King James Version records Jesus telling the disciples that they couldn't cast a demon out of a boy with epilepsy because that demon only came out by prayer and fasting. So if you need a breakthrough, if you need to break yokes of bondage and set captives free, then I want to suggest to you that you get into prayer and fasting because it will be a powerful weapon in your life. Okay, one of the musicians to come up, and as they coming up, he's just going to give a short illustration of um, one of the situations that uh, she faced. And and my wife uh, prays and fasts every month, basically. She does a Daniel fast. So, Ken, if you want to just come up quickly and just um, just share your illustration, thanks.
1: Hi, nice to be with you today. Um, When my boys were at Kindie. Um, quite a few years ago in primary school I used to meet weekly with my friend Um, we both had children the same age and we both wanted to see God work in the kindy and the school and so we determined to pray together every week for one hour now this is two women praying we didn't talk, we prayed we set aside that hour and said we're going to pray for a whole hour and because we cared about our children's education but we also understood the influences that there are in schools. And this was a public school, not a Christian school. Um, So we started praying. And when we started to pray like that, and when you pray like that, God will give you a heart for what you're praying for. And so over the time we found that we began to get a heart for the staff, for the school, for the children, for the families of the school, not just our own children. And we found it easier and easier to pray for that hour. Well, while our children were at that school, the the public primary school, we both started teaching Bible in school there, lessons once a week. But at that time there were only four classes being done. That's the senior school. But one year when I went to inquire the headmaster if we could start again that year, he looked at me and bluntly said, I don't want Bible in school anymore. And that's it. It was closed down just like that. In those days, this is a while back, there were no board of trustees. But we continued to pray, we didn't give up, we just kept praying every week for the school. Anyway, about a month later, I was at a public school meeting, there were lots of parents there, and just sitting like you are there, and I was really surprised because there was an incredible spiritual battle started happening on me. Not with other people, but I could feel it. I just wanted to run out of the room. The oppression and the the sense of um, such a battle, I just had to glue myself to the chair, I couldn't listen to what the, they were saying, and I just prayed silently in time, thinking, what on earth is going on here? I didn't have a clue. Anyway, after that, um, thankfully I stuck it out, because after that, during the supper, I felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to go and talk to the headmaster, and I just went up and I thanked him for everything he was doing in the school, I felt God wanted me to just acknowledge him and and just appreciate him. So I did that and then he turned after I'd said that and he looked me in the eye and he said, oh, by the way, you can start Bible school next term and you can do the whole school. I nearly fell over. But sure enough, we did. Next term, we had 11 classes, the whole school, teaching Bible school. And that went on for years. And I've learned over the years that often before deliverance or breakthrough and God's miracle he wants for us, uh, we face the greatest battle. And that's, at the end, we want you to give up, pull out, because then it wouldn't have happened if I pulled out. But no, you stick with what God's saying and you do it, and he'll get you through.
0: Amen. You know, doesn't need new programs. Tire needs a move of God in response to faith prayer and fasting. So, I'm asking you, I'm encouraging you to become a person of prayer and add fasting to your spiritual discipline, and let's see what God will do. Amen? We're going to pray for a few uh, people uh, right now. I said the two most important prayers. Number one, the most important prayer is those prayers that draw you closer to God. Well, the very first step in that is asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. The very first, the first of the most important prayers that you're ever going to pray is that prayer which says, Jesus Come into my life. Please forgive me for my sins. I thank you that you died for me. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live the kind of life that's pleasing to you. You know, every person here is just one prayer away from getting right with God. Just one prayer, getting your life back on track. One prayer, and changing your life's direction from. Eternal separation from God to eternal relationship with God. If that's you this morning, if you know that you are out of sync with God, you don't know Him as your loving Heavenly Father. You've never surrendered your life to Him, or if you have, you're not living the kind of life which you know would be pleasing to God. If that's you this morning, you can't get right with God. He's just waiting for you to surrender to Him and come to Him and say, God, please take over my life. So this morning, I want to give you the opportunity if there's one person here this morning and you know you need to surrender your life to God, I'd love to be able to pray with you. How I know who to pray for? I want you just to put up your hand. right now? Just give us a little wave. I'll see that hand. Yeah, I can see that. Thank you. I can see those hands in the back. Thank you. I can see that hand over there. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, God. Yeah, I can see that hand. Thank you. Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God. There's a heap of people there who just want to connect with God. Get your life on track with Him. See His plans and His. Purposes come to pass in your life see his future which is a good future says in Jeremiah I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope and people of this generation have lost hope because they've lost their connection with God when you make connection with God you gain hope is there anyone else here who needs that you need to get right with God Yeah, I saw that hand. Thank you. Right, why don't we all stand?